Today's show is brought to you by Fiverr.com. That's the word five with two R's after it.com. Fiverr is a site for freelance work. You can hire freelancers to do a variety of things for you. You can be a freelancer on it as well and experiment with the site to see whether what you want to be doing professionally outside of the rat race, outside of your full-time job, is viable. It's basically a site where they'll do the billing and collection for you and pay you it once they've received the money. In addition, if you want to hire people like I do for book editing, transcriptions and such, very inexpensive. and I've had very good work for me. So again, it's fiverr.com. You can use the link in the show notes. Frankly, you'll get a good deal from it if you do that. Now, let's get going. OBS Job Search Advice Radio, episode 2070. One. I'm your host, Jeff Alton, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. Sorry, I forgot the number. I apologize. Today's show is an interview that I did with Claudia Miller a couple of weeks ago that I just got around to releasing, uh, where we talk about salary negotiation. Uh, she is a negotiation strategist. That's her work. Um, and I think she did a nice job on the show. Hope you find this helpful and give it a great review wherever you listen to it. Please give it a good review. It does help other people discover the show. And if you wouldn't mind, could you consider sharing it on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, wherever you do that kind of stuff? Just share it and say something to the effect of, for those of you who might be looking for work, I thought you might find this interview helpful. Is that so hard? Now... Let's get going, okay? So my guest today is Claudia Miller, a career negotiation strategist who helps serious professionals secure dream jobs with dream salaries at their dream companies, including fast-growing startups, rockstar mid-sized companies, and Fortune 500 firms and tech giants like Amazon, Google, Facebook. Some of these people have received as much as $50,000 bumps in comp. Business Insider selected her as one of the top most innovative career coaches of 2020, and her work has been featured in Forbes, MSNBC, Yahoo Finance, as well as other major news outlets. Claudia, welcome. Glad to have you on. Appreciate you making time. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So here we are, one of those complicated times in the world. And there have been other complicated times, and there'll be more complicated times. So when the economy is in turmoil, you know, crisis, blowing up, pandemic, panic, all those sorts of things. Is it even possible to negotiate a better comp for yourself? Yeah, of course it is, Jeff. Um, you know, I always like to say that even in turmoil, there's going to be companies in huge need of talent, especially to withstand with what's happening in the industry or within the companies. So with that, knowing that there's a need, and we're going to talk today, folks, about, you know, some of the myths and fears that job hunters have about negotiating, um, because I know a lot of you, you work real hard to get those offers and you're afraid to blow it. 
that's not the way you think. You, you're afraid of blowing it by negotiating. Like they're suddenly going to say, this person can solve our problems and help us make or save $10 million, but we're going to rescind the offer because they asked for 5,000 more. So what sort of myths or fears do you tend to see people have with regard to negotiating? Yeah, so there's a lot of myths and fears happening around salary negotiation, especially when we don't actually do this, whether it's weekly, monthly, even annually. Um, I've actually worked with a lot of professionals who are in executive positions, have been in the industry for 20 plus years and have never negotiated their salaries. And it all comes around this fear, the unknowing. Um, most the most common myths and fears that I've seen is, you know, what if I lose the job offer? If I negotiate, what if they pull back the offer? Um, or will they think that I'm being greedy? Um, or is maybe they think that I'm not really interested in the role in the company and I'm just more after the money. I don't want to be seen like that person. I don't want to seem pushy. And I don't, I'm not dealing well with confrontation and I don't want to have a confrontational conversation, whether it's the hiring manager or someone in HR. Where do you think people get that idea from? Well, I mean, it's very common, especially here within the US where we don't discuss salary. It's very hush-hush. Like we never talk about money. And if you do, you're seen as you're boasting or you're trying to show off or you look sleazy. So I get it. A lot of us don't talk about money, especially how much we make or how much do our peers make. So they like to keep, um, a lot of us don't discuss it as much. And therefore we're kind of suffering silence. We figure out, am I getting paid enough? Maybe you heard potentially a coworker or a peer that does the same work as you um, is getting paid, you know, a lot more than you are. Then you see the stats and figures saying, you know, this is how much you're being underpaid. But there's also that fear of, we don't negotiate. So it's not something we do common every day and let alone at such a big, um, level of where, you know, we were discussing 5, 10, 15, even 20K salary increases. I, th I think it's funny. I've always thought employers are behind this behavior because information is power. And it's the people who work on the payroll systems who are always advantaged because they get to see what the comp level ranges are and who's making what. And I know historically people I've known in pay on payroll systems have always gone, oh my God, that idiot is making 15,000 more than me. What's wrong with these people? But they didn't have the information. So I've always thought that employers are behind this because if you keep the masses quiet and not talking about this stuff, no one knows any different. So what do people do in order to negotiate given their well, let me back up for a second here. You know, they're afraid of that they're going to lose the job. They don't want to look greedy. Uh, they don't want to seem as though they're bad people. How do you break that? I know there's other things that people are afraid of doing. How do you start breaking that mentality? Uh -huh. Yeah, so it's all around mindset. One thing I recommend my clients is to write down what fears or what thoughts do they have around salary negotiation? Like we mentioned, oh my God, are, they're going to think I'm greedy. I'm not, I don't want to deal with the confrontation. I'd rather just take my job offer and be grateful and then, you know, start working. Maybe they'll recognize all the great work that I do and then they'll just promote me or give me a salary increase. 
And, you know, there's different ways of approaching um, salary negotiation. So whether it's internally within a company or you're a job seeker. So one of the best ways to really increase your salary, especially as a job seeker, is being prepared. You want to make sure you do a lot of uh, research within the company. Listen to their company earnings. What is going on with their press release? What are their competitors doing? Um, you know, do they have a very a product or service that you know they're you know whether clients or customers are raving about? So do a lot of this research. And you know, when job seeking, people tend to practice maybe one or two, maybe three days before the interview, and trying to get a lot of this information as possible, but three days, you can't compete with someone that's been prepping for two to three months with, you know, just two, three days of work. So those people are always going to have the advantage because they have time in their favor and they've had time to practice, get company insights, build almost like a great business case that will set them apart from the competition and by competition. I mean, all the other candidates they're competing against. And, and I love that idea of developing a business case. And, and I'm wondering you know, sometimes I'll tell people that I coach, you know, have you considered speaking to some of the people who work there to get a sense of salary ranges? Because institutionally these days, there's some places in the country where a firm can ask you what you're making, and there are other places where they can't. Good news for those who can't, uh, because you're hired based upon value, but as opposed to your previous salary. But for those places where you're trapped by the, so how much are you looking for? And uh, you know, how much are you making now? Oh, that seems like a pretty big increase. You know, I tend to think in terms of speaking to people internally beforehand to just get a sense of ranges so you know how to play the cards out. Is that what you tend to suggest to people or do you approach it differently? No, Jeff, I totally, I'm in agreement. Um, I actually tell my clients to reach out to two to three levels above where, within the company itself. And why is that is because if you ask a person that'll be your peer, they're not going to want to tell you about their salary or how, what range they're in. But if you ask maybe one person that used to be in that role or now they're two, three levels up, they can say, oh yeah, for that role, um, you know, typically you should expect between this average um, and it should fall within those lines, especially here within the company. Um, it becomes easier to disclose as opposed to like, oh, I make anywhere between this number. Uh, people are, tend to be more honest um, if you go two to three levels above. That's a, that's a good point because you're right. People are reluctant to talk. And if you have an ally within the firm, like if they happen to introduce you uh, to the organization as someone uh, I coached recently st stepping into a CMO role had, you know, he was approached by someone that he knew who joined this firm, who knew they would get an employee referral bonus if he was hired. And thus they were walking him through everything along the line, including <laughs> what the concerns were. You know, was he going, you know, he was coming from a larger firm to a smaller firm. Would he feel challenged? Would, you know, all the sorts of worries that organizations had. And thus we were able to strategize walking in about how to communicate with them, including the salary material. It was, it was a terrific success. And I'll just simply say folks, you know, she's telling you some good stuff here. Pay attention. Don't click away. It's really worthwhile. So first thing is talk to people a couple of levels up so you get real information. 
what else can people do to strategize on the way in in order to deliver well? Yeah, and you kind of touched on it a little bit too. It's um, having someone refer you, you know, almost give you the red carpet because they get paid out on bonuses. So um, there's a lot of companies, especially like these bigger companies, where if an employee refers someone and they work there for at least 90 days, they can get paid anywhere between $300 to $3,000. Um, so that's the fastest way for you to go through that process and then be able to get a lot of that company insight um, that allows you to prep and bring over like a lot of these challenges and pain points that the employer is currently um, going through. And then you could be that person, that savior to say, I know you're currently going through this or you're looking to achieve X, Y, and Z. I can help you with that. The best way, the best strategy that I've been able to get clients, I mean, up to $50,000 in salary increases. And this doesn't even include any salary, um, doesn't include commission and bonus, my, my, I apologize. Um, so this is just base salary around $50,000. And it's through that strategy I just talked about, being so prepared, being able to stand out from the competition that um, I like to use this analogy that you never offer the same salary you do to Michael Jordan than to someone that's just coming out of college um, with some you know, rookie experience. There's, you just can't compete with Michael Jordan. He's at a whole nother level. And that's how I like to position my candidates to be at a whole nother level that they automatically command and get those higher, you know, end of that salary range. And all they have to do is negotiate maybe an extra five, 10, $15,000 salary increases. But the employer doesn't know that they just made a 50K salary bump. Right. It's funny. We had the same thing with that person I mentioned earlier, where ultimately he and two other finalists had to present to a panel. Uh, their thoughts about how to do the role, what the challenges were, and how they were going to tackle it. They walked out of the meetings after the three and said, this guy was so well prepared. He had some very clear ideas about what to do, used our language, which is another little thing in the presentation, speak the language of the organization. So they wanted him, the president of the firm wanted him very badly. Um, and everything they did from that point on, including the negotiation, when they lowballed him a little bit, he was able to say, but you told me it was a range of this to this, and you've offered me the low end. Let's come back to the high end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a good, oh, sorry. No, please. Oh, I was going to say, I know some people are, um, are shy or they don't want to be confrontational. A negotiation conversation should never be confrontational. It's a conversation with another person and a quick line that anyone can use, even if you're an introvert or shy is, you know, I'm actually looking for, let's just say it, the salary can pay anywhere between 60 to hundred K and they offer you, um, you know, 75, you can say, well, I'm actually looking for a salary of 95,000. You know, is there any way we can close this gap and then just stay quiet? Right. Let them figure it out. Let them get creative with that solution. Let the silence do the work. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of like um, when people make offers, I, I have a video out called uh, the single, the easiest way to negotiate a higher salary for yourself. And the, the technique I suggest to people is when you get the low offer, you suddenly go, huh? And you're quiet. And they know there's a problem right away. Especially when you say, I'd like a little bit of time to think about it. Can I get back to the day after tomorrow? So that in this way, 
they know there's a problem. <laughs> so they start to, yeah. to, to get ready for the negotiation, which isn't a bad approach. It's you know, the stall and put the pressure on them. Yeah, even when they tell you, well, you know, this is really what we have budgeted for. You can say, no, I'm, I'm very excited about the role. Um, you know, I just need a few days to look over the offer letter as well as the total comp plan. Do you happen to have um, a resource where I can reference that? Because there's so much more you can negotiate than just your salary. I would say always negotiate your salary, but there's also, whether it's PTO or bonus, commission, professional development. Now that we're working from home, a work from home allowance. So that way, you know, you can have for your Wi-Fi, your phone and maybe a monitor that you need to buy a desk or whatever that may be. There's just so much more. And um, I even had a client where they typically didn't go through the comp plan or the benefits. And then they realized um, their, their child had, you know, um, had to do a lot of medical costs and their current health insurance was covering a lot of it. This new company, they would have had to pay almost an additional $600 a month because it wasn't covered through that service. So that's what I mean. You don't want to have to go negotiate your salary and then say, oh, and by the way, here's some additional things. You kind of want to do it all at once. So that way it becomes a total package and you're able to express, you know, what you're looking for overall. You know, given the fact that there's so many things that can be negotiated, which things should the person start with in the negotiation so that you know, they can escalate, get some easy wins and go from there. Yeah. So, I mean, for, you know, people that are working at a nonprofit and it's very grant based, it's going to be a little bit harder to negotiate your salary. Um, just because it's all grant based, it's a nonprofit. If you're going to nonprofit, especially the smaller ones, um, you're probably not going there so much for the salary, more for, you know, you're able to contribute, you know, to the community and be able to do a great thing. Um, so that might be a little bit limited. Now you can always say, for example, if you're a grant writer, you can say, you know, I, you know, I'm very interested in this role and I'm more excited about the mission that I'll be able to work with, you know, within the organization. Um, what if we were to discuss this within six months and then from then on we can discuss again compensation um, based on my performance. So if you were to able to bring I don't know, an extra $500,000 in grants, then you can negotiate your salary. Um, so it's different strategies depending on where um, the person is going. Um, now, if you know that there's, the market is paying 20 to 30K salary uh, higher than what you're currently being paid, that should probably be your uh, primary focus. Now, if it's aligned within like five to 10K of what they're offering, do that, but also look at additional benefits. Like I mentioned, the health insurance, especially if you have um, a loved one that uses a lot of those medical um, benefits that you don't want to incur those costs and it outweighs what you might've received in your salary increase. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, so often people are, are afraid of raising these subjects especially the benefits ones where third-party recruiters basically tell them, oh no, that's off the table. If they do it for you, they got to do it for other people. Yes, yeah, so. Yeah. Then yeah, let's so. do it. <laughs> right. But, but all they're trying to do is close the deal, folks. And I just remind you of that because especially when you get to offer time, if you're working with a third-party recruiter, all they care about is collecting the check at the end of this, and you're the easier person to beat up. So just be aware of that, folks. 
At that point, they are not your friend, even though they've been sweethearts up until that point. All they care about is let's bring the deal home. Uh, and, and I can move to the next, hire for the next role. Exactly right. So we're talking here about negotiating the secondary items before we get to the money. Did I get that right? Um, well, I mean, it's you want to look at the total comp plan. You want to make sure that you're, when you give a range to, like you're discussing salary, don't give the salary range that the market is paying. Start with the lowest being with what you want and then the upper range of that salary um, when having these conversations. And you're able to know what that upper range is by doing your research and to talking to people, like we mentioned, that have been in those roles that should know, you know, what is part of like that payment or that salary for that specific role. Um, and then looking at other benefits that the company offers. Glassdoor does a great job of like letting you know, um, here's what the base salary is and more than likely plus bonus and commission. Um, there are companies that are known for giving sign-on bonuses. Maybe you didn't get offered one and that could be a good way to close that gap or um, through stock. A lot of companies don't really increase much in base salary, but you get a lot of that increase or benefits through stock or restricted stock units. Um, where I've seen where clients are you know making 250,000 and maybe they made a jump and they're now making 260,000 but now they get a you know monthly not monthly but maybe quarterly or an annual check of an additional 40 50,000 all because they focused also on those additional benefits that are happening so again this is part of still the comp plan it's still money in your pocket that you can do with whatever you wish to do um, but it's again looking and realizing what are you most interested in what do you what should you be focusing on um, and i always think about like what is your worst alternative that you're willing to take and your best alternative um, also if you're going to back to school do they have a professional development stipend will they be pay for your um schooling as well like those are things you want to take into consideration because again it impacts your well, how you get to spend your money and you want to make sure that you take a holistic overview of what your lifestyle is and what your goal is and how the company is going to help you get there. Can I ask you to back up one second? For those people who don't know what an RSU is, restrictive stock unit, could you explain the basics of what an RSU is? Yeah, so some companies typically, whether it's like in sales or um, big companies like Google, Microsoft, Video, Amazon, a lot of them, what they do is since they have stock that is worth a lot, um, they might say, okay, we're going to give you a certain amount of stock during this time or during your performance reviews. We may not give you a salary increase, but maybe we'll give you this amount of stock and it's restricted. So it's, it works on a schedule. So you may not be able to tap into that maybe for one year. And then after that, you get a check, not a check, but these are stocks that become available um, once a quarter or monthly, however the company has that set up, and then you can go ahead and sell that. So if you get, um, let's just say five, like five stocks and they're each worth $100, you can sell though, and that could be an extra $500 every quarter or monthly or however that system is set up. I used to negotiate with uh, one of my consulting clients uh, and RSUs became the successor of stock options in the days after Sarbanes-Oxley when firms just didn't know how to account for stock options anymore. Mm -hmm. So it got converted to the idea of an RSU. And what I would negotiate there is what the vesting period was. Yeah. 
often I wasn't able to get it for them, but sometimes I could. And you know, what happens is, let's say they grant you 25,000 RSUs at the time that you join based upon the public stock price of whatever it is, invests annually in 20% increments. Well, you can sell that. It's actually yours you know, at the annual milestones and different firms structure it differently. So try and negotiate those amounts as well as the one the vesting period is. So what else should we talk about in terms of how people should negotiate? You're the expert for today. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for salary negotiation, there's a lot of preparation that needs to happen. It's not something that you do once you get the job offer and then you say, all right, let me Google how to negotiate my salary offer. Um, by that, you might be able to get a small increment, but you're left a lot of money on the table at this point. Uh, best way to get those big salary increments is get doing your research, getting to know the company, like you said, the voice of the company, using their language, getting company insight. What are they currently, you know, what are their challenges? What are their pain points? They're a public company. What are they saying on their earnings call is their goal for the next quarter or six months or the next year um, that you can use that as ammo during your business case. But the next part also is you being comfortable. You should be practicing having these conversations. Um, there are people that, you know, like I said, most of us don't negotiate. We're, if I were to say, you know, go to Starbucks, next time you go to Starbucks, um, you know, go ahead and ask them if, they, if you can get a 10% discount or at any store whatsoever, most people won't do it just because like, again, it's not part of our culture. It's not something we do very often. So you definitely should be practicing salary negotiation conversations. Just like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm actually looking for a salary, um, a salary base of a hundred thousand. How can we close that gap and being comfortable? Not, um, so I, um, uh, so 100,000, that's what I'm looking for. It, can you, is there a way that all of a sudden your, your tone, your body language is speaking for you and you're less like, likely to get that increase or for them to take you seriously. They can already say, you're right. Clearly this person is not comfortable negotiating. They're going to take whatever we give them. They're just kind of, you know, just trying to play the game, but they're doing a horrible job at it. That's what you want to practice, whether it's with um, in the mirror and then with a partner or a friend. I have fr um, clients that actually, you know, talk to their pets, uh, probably not cats, but dogs or their bird or whatever that is, just so they can start practicing feeling comfortable saying it out loud. Um, and I even have my clients record themselves, listen to the audio only. Do you sound confident? Um, do you actually wait or do you, do you feel very uncomfortable with silence that all of a sudden you start rambling on? Um, also with video, how do you come across? Like this might be conversations during a video call or they might ask you during the interview, what salary range are you looking for? Or for this role, we're looking to pay this much. Is that aligned with what you're looking for? So it's just getting comfortable with that and being able to have those conversations that are not very common. And every time a firm asks you a question about money, that's when the negotiation has begun. It's not at the back end. They're collecting data from you about what you're willing and unwilling to do. So even if they say, you know, this job will pay uh, 125 to 150. Are you okay with that? Are you oh, I don't know. Are you want to be a little flexible? The question about your flexibility is always a negotiation question. 
their, mm -hmm. their question about what you're earning and whether you're willing to work within this range. They do it in the first conversation with you. Yeah. You don't know anything about the job and they're negotiating. You have to be able to respond to that in graceful ways that deflect it. So you can mm -hmm. get on to the evaluation and assessment to collect information. And thus, how do you tell people to deflect at that first conversation? <laughs> well, I, and like you said, you just talked about that. You don't even know what the responsibilities entail. So, you know, if you have like a recruiter or a hiring manager or someone in HR, whatever the first interview, and before you even know about the role, they're saying, you know, what, what is the total, uh, what is the compensation that you're looking for in this role? Or what is your salary range before we move forward? So that way we know we're on the same page. That's typically what they tell you. Then you say, you know what, Jeff, you know, I'm, you know, I definitely be happy to um, discuss that. But first, I really want to get to know a little bit more about the roles and responsibilities. That way I have a better insight and better overview of what that's going to take or what you're looking for in your in the person in XYZ role. You're deflecting and saying, hey, by the way, I need, I want to know more about the role. Um, and it also showcases that you're more interested in the role than just the compensation. And Again, if let's just say you're a manager and you're applying for a senior manager role and you've only managed, let's just say 30 people. Um, and then you asked, I don't know, 15, 20 K dollars in increase, or you're looking at least around that Saturday range. And then afterwards you realize that you're gonna be managing a team of 300 with a budget two to three times and probably big responsibilities then is it that 20, 30K probably lowballed yourself at this point? So you wanna get more insight into the role. What is this gonna take? How are you measuring success? You know, How many people will I be working with? What are your current challenges within the organization or the department? And do you have the resources to be able to meet those demands? That information is gonna be vital in order for you to assess where should, how much more can you be asking for and how much should you get paid that will make you happy with the world. Because the last thing you want is negotiate, let's just say you make a $10,000 or $15,000 increase from your previous job. And now you move into a role and then you, within two, three months, you're gonna say, I'm being underpaid. This is so much work, this is ridiculous. And you're just gonna beat yourself up and the company and the job seeker, or the candidate are both gonna be miserable because you're not gonna be performing to par or you're gonna be miserable are you going to be impacted? And then you're also going to be hating the company because, you know, you're, you're being underpaid at this point. And folks, just remember that the goal when you join a firm is not to have regrets. It's to be able to walk in cleanly and excited and, you know, be in a flow state when you, when you join the organization and not feel as though, oh, they beat me up to take this job. Okay, I'll do it and harbor that resentment. And many of you have told me, oh, I would never do that, but you do. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's human nature. People wind up being resentful and it poisons the well for the new organization. So better to tackle it proactively than to uh, tolerate because you really don't. So I just want to reiterate one thing that that we've said and that is there's lots of opportunity to deflect that opening question about money and put it back on the i need to learn a lot more and it also suggests to me that one of the things that i think a person might consider doing is not just simply um, review 
what their salary range might be if they were static and joined an organization at the same level with the same responsibilities, but a step up in class as well. Like you gave the example of the person who manages 30, 35 people versus the 300 of the new role, which is a great opportunity, but carries a bigger scope of responsibility, more effort, and um, is a step up in class for the person. So it suggests researching that too when you walk in just in case you're surprised. Did I, did I read between the lines correctly there? Yes, yes you did, Jeff. Um, and you know, one of the things too that I've seen happen is um, people usually ask like, well, when do I know I can negotiate? You know, do I even bring this value? And my thing is a good way to know is you're getting the job offer. You should always negotiate. They already brought you in for an interview. That makes you qualified and good enough to be able to negotiate and start having those conversations, especially when it comes to the process of when you do get that job offer. That means that they see you as a valuable candidate that can bring a lot of value to the company. And like you mentioned, anytime they start discussing that, that's when the negotiation is starting. And I even say it happens even before the way you submit your resume, the way if you're able to be referred, that already elevates you as a candidate throughout your interview process, you're elevating yourself and building a stronger business case that makes you the most desirable candidate among every other person out there. And if you're able to really touch on their pain points and what they're looking to achieve, they, people will pay more money. So an example is I had a client and they actually told her that the job paid anywhere between 120 to 130. Um, we had her prep. She did a lot of work behind the scenes. And by the time they came to it, they actually offered her 138,000. That's $8,000 more than from the salary range they said the position was willing to pay. Why? Because she was a desirable candidate and they didn't want to lose the opportunity of losing her. And they also don't want to offend. They are you know, nobody wants to go with their second option, especially when you made such a big impression. Um, you want to carry that throughout the entire process. So that way, when it does come time for them to offer them to give you the job offer and then you're negotiating, you're you'd rather be on the higher end of that salary range and negotiating 10, 15, 20K, maybe additional bonuses um, or whatever that may look like than to have to justify why you should be on the upper range of that salary and not even be able to tap into these additional benefits um, that you could have been exposed to had you prepared in time. And what form did the preparation take that you put the person through? Uh, so we looked through the company. So like I said, I, I always like to check the health of the company as well. So just because they're interviewing you, you know, I know most people feel like, oh, they're interviewing me, but it should really come across as you're interviewing them. You want to make sure, especially with everything happening right now, you want to take pulse of that company, make sure that it's viable. It's going to be somewhere that you can go into and be successful. So I had this person um, look at their press release, um, even the day of their interview, it actually got released at this company. Um, had just been acquired by a bigger company. So she came in prepared saying, you know, I understand that this company just, just got acquired. You know, do you see, um, you know, what it's going to look like based on like responsibilities or the goals due to this new acquisition or this merger? And um, they were, she was able to have a candid conversation with the vice president of the company. And it just, it 
was able to build rapport and it showed that she was on top of it. It had just been released that same morning. It was like around, I don't know, six, seven in the morning. And she had the interview around 9.30 in the morning. So she knew to be prepared and she already had built a business case and had come up with a story bank of everything that just went aligned. It just felt perfectly. And we identified in the first interview from the hiring manager that, you know, she was able to ask, you know, am I your top candidate for this role? Do you have any hesitations in me fulfilling this job successfully? And he was like, no, I think you'd be great. I would love to have you on board, but I also need to get the approval of my manager and my boss. I will tell you that they're looking for someone more with a consultant background. So we had time to prepare and we positioned her and showed her consultation or consultative skills that all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, you're perfect and you have experience consulting, um, which she did in different aspects of her previous jobs, just never had the consultant job title. It's interesting how packaging really makes a difference in every step of it of an interview process. Uh, so I love that you, that you outlined that, especially the press release part, uh, because so few people do that. I know I'll periodically tell people to, to um, set up Google alerts for press yeah. releases related to firms that they're interviewing with, but sometimes those come out a day late. Uh, mm -hmm. so, so the notion that you're up to date with what's going on because surprises are rarely good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in job search. Yeah. So what haven't we covered yet that we really should? Yeah. So um, another thing that I feel that with, when it happens to salary negotiation is, you know, there's just so many aspects to it. We talked about mindset, preparing yourself, knowing that you do um, are a great candidate and should be negotiate, negotiating and going behind the scenes and talking to people within the company to give you insight, as well as prepping during the interview, um, you know, making sure that you're making a case of why you're the top candidate, as well as being prepared and practicing over and over again so that way you come across as very comfortable. The other thing is, is reframing your thoughts. And this is kind of tied to mindset as well, where people think that, negotiating your salary is going to make you look greedy. It's going to, it's just sleazy of you. And what I tell my clients is that negotiating your salary actually gives a glimpse into the company of how you're going to be vouching for the company themselves, especially if you're looking to move into, you know, roles above um, is, you know, they're not going to see you as sleazy. They're seen as, you know, your value and you're willing to have a very candid, but very calm conversation or this, salary negotiation. And that also shows the company that when you are representing the company themselves, whether you're negotiating vendor contracts, you carry yourself the same way. If you're not negotiating yourself, especially if you're going for a manager position up, how can I trust you as a manager to take care of the company and manage or negotiate these contracts when you can't even do it for yourself? Are we going to be paying additional because you're so uncomfortable negotiating at this point? So you want to showcase your negotiating skills. And there's a stat out there now, I can't remember if it's 79 or 80%, um, so don't quote me on that, but it was something around the lines of 79% of candidates that negotiate their salary got the salary increase. And they actually stayed longer within their companies because they were happy, like they came in happy knowing that they were going to get paid what they're looking for, what they're valued at, and it was at a company they're excited about. Um, so that's just kind of a, also a little bit of background with salary negotiation, how to reframe yourself. 
in the movie The Godfather, Al Pacino has a moment where his older brother character uh, is making it seem like he wants to do the hit because it's personal to him. And he looks up at his brother and says, it's not personal, it's all business. And folks take a lot of things personally in negotiation because of their own anxiety. So calm, it, calm yourself down, recognize it's just business on their part. If they can get you a few dollars less, they've got more money in the budget for other people. So since you're responsible for yourself as the CEO of your own organization, with your own shareholders of your wife, husband, partner, the kids, the dog, the cat, whomever, <laughs> you're the CEO of your own organization with shareholders, at least ask the questions, at least give it a shot. If they say no, they say no. And then you have another decision to make as to whether or not to say yes, or whether you say no. And sometimes I know with clients of mine, negotiating for them began at the no, not before that. They, they pretend, but they really didn't negotiate until they got a no. Mm -hmm. So yeah. is there anything else? Um, yeah. yeah, so um, I wanted to give a kind of a case of what might look like behind the scenes. So I actually had a client, like you said, everyone in payroll knows what people are getting paid. And I had some insight where they were telling me how prominent it or how common it is for people not to negotiate, especially women. Um, they're less likely to negotiate. And so this is at a company where um, they had different divisions and it was VP. So there was a gentleman who was getting paid around $225,000 for a VP level. And this person um, was getting hired in. She happened to be a woman and was gonna be VP of a different department. Both value, really great backgrounds, education, everything was there. And she didn't negotiate her salary and she got 180,000 while her peer is getting around 225,000. Now, as time goes on, those salary gaps will keep increasing. So now you're not only behind 10,000, but as years go by, now you're behind 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, or even 70,000, depending how far you go in your career. But this is again, a VP level. So don't feel that once you get to that director or senior director or VP role, then you're gonna negotiate. You need to start now because as the more you don't negotiate, the more money you're leaving on the table. And you're gonna be, this person's getting underpaid almost $40,000 doing the same role. Imagine what you can do with an extra $40,000 a year. And I, I wanna take on one extra level and make it concrete. Over five years, assuming a three to five percent increase per year, we're not talking about forty thousand dollars. We're talking about more than two hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. And most people I know can't afford to leave that on the table. So, you know, and, and here's the extra piece. I'll I'll just close out with and say. And you're going to be evaluated in the future, not just simply based upon what you know, but firms are going to say, oh, she, you know, she's making 175, 180, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about two. She'll be happy with that. And you won't be treated as seriously as the 225 person. 
It's yep. just the way people think. And thus it's important to cut it off now rather than let it linger. This has yeah, been, you, I'm sorry. Well, I was gonna say, you just, I think touch on a great point too. You are seeing more valuable. So if you were to have a, I don't know, a expensive $100,000 car, you're gonna take more care of it than you were to have a $20,000 car right? It's just, it happens with it. You're, there are probably places you won't even park in it. You'll probably be careful. And same thing when you are talking about employees or being considered it, that person, that guy, that VP is going to be considered a higher level for whatever it may be just because of the compensation, because he happened to negotiate while the other person who didn't negotiate is seen lesser of because she didn't negotiate. She's getting paid less. Therefore you pay what you get for, right? So get paid on the higher level. And all of a sudden, it also brings that um, value, command, and respect that comes with that salary pay because you do happen to negotiate and build a strong case for you and why you're worth it. Thank you. This has been fun. We got to do this another time. How can people find out more about you and the work that you do? Yeah, so they can go to ClaudiaTMiller.com. So T as in Tom. So ClaudiaTMiller.com. And, you know, it's my website. And through there, um, you know, I'm offering 30-minute complimentary calls where, you know, whatever you want to discuss, whether it's sound negotiation, job search, is your resume working? How can you improve in your interviewing skills? Um, we can discuss it during the complimentary session. And I can give you pointers and tips on how you can um, optimize or get better results. And uh, it's all free. Like I said, ClaudiaTMiller.com. Super. It'll be in the show notes, folks. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, I've got a lot that's in the show notes that will help you. Go there. Take a look at some of the things I highlight. I know it can help you with your search. But I want you to do one thing for me. And that is put in your phone TheBigGameHunter.us, Jeff Alpin, my name. And when you need help, when you need advice, when you have a question, come over to the website, go exploring in the blog, contact me for coaching or because you have a question, I'd love to help you. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day and most importantly, be great! Be great!